Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello one and all and welcome to Behind the Glass, the podcast which aims to take you behind the scenes of the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass as well as the automotive and car motorsport worlds. I've forgotten my own intro. <laughs> this is the second episode of season two of Behind the Glass and I've already messed up the intro. Those of you that listen to season one will know that that's quite a regular thing, me getting the intro wrong. Usually because I, I kind of try and rush it. I'm so excited to get started with the podcast that I rush the intro and I mumble, I mumble at the best of times. I mumble my words, but today I just forgot what I was supposed to say. But anyway, here we are. Welcome back. I am your host, Sam, from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. I am joined off camera by my producer and girlfriend, uh, Vicky. Vicky, you can say hi. Hi, everyone. Thanks. Vin Thanks for letting me speak and giving me a microphone this time. Well, there you go. Uh, on popular demand, uh, Vicky now has her own microphone because Woo! I think uh, her interjections uh, of last week's episode were so popular, people demanded that her voice could be better heard. So she is now still in her role as producer, so sort of sidekick extraordinaire. Um, I feel like there's a catch. No, there's no... I mean, there's a catch by people wanting to hear of me, more of me speak. And then once I start speaking mm. more, that's when it gets nasty. Welcome to the world of YouTube. Uh, it starts <laughs> off great. And then it slowly just descends into trolling. Um, so this is the beginning of your journey. I would ride the wave whilst you can. Go <laughs> with the bail. popularity and then disappear forever uh, once the negativity starts to creep in. Um, anyway, you join us in Bulgaria. Uh, we are here, which, as we mentioned uh, in last week's episode, uh, because this is where Vicky is from. And we're using it as a bit of a sort of base, a, a, a sort of two-week base, so that we can repack our bags, uh, do some washing, and I can also fly in and out for various projects. Did we talk about that last week? I think we did. I don't think we spoke about your flying in and out of. Ah, okay. Well, whilst we're here, uh, I am flying in and out uh, of Bulgaria for various projects. Uh, last week, I was back in the UK for... Uh, 24 hours, if you can call it 24 hours, for a cool project with Shell. More to come on that soon. I can't talk too much about it, but you guys know I do a lot of work with Shell each year, so it's cool to be doing the first sort of project with them this year. Uh, and then tomorrow, I'm headed off to Berlin, well, actually Munich, and then Berlin, for the second part of my series with Harman Kardon uh, around their sponsorship of uh, the BMW i Andretti Motorsports Formula E team. Um, so, yes, having... It's a little bit messy. It's a little bit of a messy 
messy schedule, but it makes sense. It makes sense. And to be able to go off and do these other projects, I could only make it work when we had a secure base, somewhere that I could leave the car, leave my things, because otherwise it became too impossible to know where I could fly from or fly back to. And so Bulgaria was incredibly helpful and useful. And we are four or five days into our time here, longer, maybe a week, a week. nearly a week, a week into yeah. our time here. And it's Which been lovely. More, most time that we've spent in any one place since we've started. So it feels like we're having a holiday. Feels like we've given up. <laughs> feels like the trip's over. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's been super nice. And right now, uh, can I say where we are exactly? Sure. We're in Vicky's bedroom. So those of you watching on YouTube, the lovely floral wallpaper. Uh, My kid's bedroom. Your kid's bedroom. So we should explain that. Um, Vicky has grown up. She's no longer nine years old, as the decorations of the room may suggest. Uh, <laughs> she's been living in the UK for the last... Well, a life story. Give her a microphone. She's <laughs> off. Um, but anyway, what are we going to be discussing in today's video, apart from Vicky's life story and our location? Uh, Formula One. I got to get into Formula One because it is with great sadness that the today, or not that today, this week, um, the sport lost one of its greatest icons, Nicky Lauda, and we're going to talk about it in a little bit more detail, but it seems like the right moment to dive in to the big, big story that is Formula One 2019. Um, I think most of you will know that I'm an F1 nut, and Behind the Glass has always had an F1 kind of theme to it, so um, I'm going to be getting to that. Vicky might not be paying uh, too much of a role in that chat, um, but you never know. I'm used to it. You're used to it. Um, <laughs> we're also going to be talking about BMW. Now, viewers of the main Seen Through Glass YouTube channel will know that I've had a checkered past with BMW over the years uh, and some of the biggest trolling that I've ever experienced has been around BMW videos because I haven't always been that nice but something's happened in the last 12 months or so uh, that has reawoken my BMW fan boy in the what well, the fan the BMW fan inside of me the same one that owned a 330i saloon back in the day uh, and Vicky is very much on this bandwagon so we're going to be discussing that uh, we're going to be touching on the new McLaren, of which its name I can't even remember. Something GT. The, has it got a name? Anyway, we're going to be talking about the new McLaren. Uh, we're going to be talking about my slight fail, but also eye-opening experience at Rimac in Croatia. Um, and then our, our sort of journey from Croatia here to Bulgaria, because it was definitely an adventure uh, driving through the Southeast Europe, um, before touching on a few of the highlights ahead and in response to a couple of questions that you guys posed to me in an Instagram Q&A, um, which cars do I still want to drive during Drive the World? I've managed to tick off quite a few amazing cars. What are left? So yes, that is the rundown for the show. Uh, let's get cracking. So, Formula One. Um, yes, let's kick things off by saying R.I.P. Nicky Lauda, um, a true icon of Formula One, but I think global sport. Uh, he's a guy that obviously probably has one of the greatest comeback stories in sport ever. Uh, if you don't know, suffered a horrific crash in the 1976 Nürburgring Grand Prix, uh, where his Ferrari uh, went up in flames. He discovered he suffered um, first degree. Is it first degree or third degree? What's the worst one? 
The, uh, he discovered horrific <laughs> burns, uh, uh, toxins all inside of his lungs. I mean, he should have died. The man should have drive, died. Um, but something ridiculous, uh, like six weeks later, he was back inside a Grand Prix car competing for the championship against James Hunt. The story became uh, iconic, uh, or famous at least, uh, when it was made into a movie, a Hollywood movie called Rush. I have to say... There are much better documentaries out there that tell the story than Rush. You have to remember Rush is a Hollywood film. So if that's your only experience of the Louder Hunt story, um, scrap that and go and check out some of the documentaries you can find on YouTube or the BBC. Um, and one recommendation I have to make is for the F1 official podcast. I don't know if I'm supposed to be promoting other podcasts during my own podcast, but the F1 uh, Beyond the Grid is fantastic. And the episode with Luca de Montezemolo, for me, was one of the most eye-opening uh, he talked in depth about the sort of uh, mid-70s when he was uh, working with Enzo Ferrari and Nicky Lauda and talked about just what an incredible person Nicky Lauda was, not just as a driver, but as, I mean, in every sort of realm of life. And I think he went to prove that later on in life, not only uh, making his comeback, but then becoming a huge businessman with his airline uh, and then taking on roles uh, as an advisor with Ferrari, a team manager with Jaguar, and then later non-executive chairman or CEO at Mercedes AMG. So yes, a very, very sad week, um, and definitely an inspirational guy. I mean, I think that's an understatement of the century. Um, but if you ever need a, a pick-me-up, uh, as I say, remind yourself of the Nicky Lauda story, and I think everything will be all right. How, how's research going, Miss Producer? Um, I just found a really nice quote from him. Oh, okay. When, after after suffering the burns and, you know, trying to desperately trying to hide them, he says that he tries to hide them from stupid people looking at him stupidly. And he says that he had an accident as an excuse to look ugly. Some people don't have that excuse. He was a joker. <laughs> he was a joker. So and it is really sweet. Really sweet and, and very sad that, that unfortunately, uh, his fight or, or... I mean, basically, he succumbed to injuries. He... Uh, he suffered 43 years ago. He's been fighting against those injuries for 43 years and unfortunately um, uh, he could no longer put up that fight. So uh, very sad news, but it does open the door for me to uh, pose the question uh, is, has Formula One had its greatest day? Um, is Formula One uh, driving <laughs> towards uh, its final chapter. Because uh, if you look at greats like Nicky Lauda, Jackie Stewart, uh, Gilles Villeneuve, um, Nigel Mansell, uh, Ayrton Senna, Alan Prost, they were taking part in a sport which is barely recognisable compared to today's Formula One. Now, I've said it and I will say it again. I am one of the world's biggest Formula One nuts. I live and breathe the sport. Uh, Vicky has witnessed the length that I will go to to ensure that I am up to date on Formula One news and timings and sessions and Grand Prix. Um, but I have to say over the last five or so years, I'm not sure I see the sport in the same way that I did when I was growing up in the late 90s, early noughties, the Schumacher dominance, um, uh, moving on into the Fernando Alonso years, etc. And even then, I think a lot of people were like, this isn't the same sport with traction control and uh, huge budgets and uh, all the issues that were back then. 
Now, this year in 2019, we've seen Mercedes take their domination to a whole nother level. Uh, we've had five consecutive one-twos shared between Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas. Um, drivers are starting to complain and moan. There's so much negativity surrounding the, the sport. And as Formula E grows and other various motorsport disciplines gain attention, i.e. IndyCar with Alonso's disastrous attempt at Indy 500 this year, um, I just think there's a lack of hype or buzz around F1 these days. And it's supposed to be the pinnacle of motorsport. This is supposed to be the place that everyone wants to get to, the best drivers in the best cars. But I feel like now people start to sort of undermine the drivers a little bit. Like, oh yeah, Lewis Hamilton's the best, but he's also in the best car. Vettel has obviously done himself some disservice over the last 18 months. And you've got amazing youngsters like Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris coming through. But then the older drivers are like, oh yeah, but F1's too easy nowadays. A 19-year-old can step in and win races. So basically playing down the actual uh, challenge that is driving an F1 car. So all in all, being the big F1 fan that I am, I'm just a little bit feeling a bit lackluster about the sport, and I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, you know, I am a Hamilton fan. I don't really ever follow a team. Of course, I sided with Ferrari slightly because of my love for their road cars and their brand, but I've always followed drivers. So yeah, Schumacher and then Hamilton, and now I'm really leaning towards Leclerc. Uh, as great as Lewis still is, I think it's time to start focusing and supporting somebody else. And Lewis has done his part, surely. Um, so yeah, it, it's a it's a strange one. Um, um, I don't know how they save themselves. Martin Brundle wrote a really interesting interview for Sky Sports F1, uh, talking about how he thought the sport could reinvent itself. I think the problem is it's, there's too much money involved, and there always has been. And now that Bernie Eccleston has been ousted, there's no one really there who's willing to make the tough decisions, I don't think. Uh, Liberty Media are trying to make as much money as possible, trying to commercialise it as much as possible. All the teams are invested for their own success, no one else's. And... It just feels like everyone's pushing in the wrong directions. Uh, let's hope Ross Braun uh, can get his elbows out and push forward with the car development and these new rules that are supposedly coming in in 2021, 2022 will you know, breathe fresh air into the sport because right now I think it's easy to be quite depressed about the outlook and we are approaching the Monaco Grand Prix weekend as I'm recording this, the first time since starting Seen Through Glass that I haven't attended the Monaco Grand Prix. That's quite sad. I mean, like, that was one of those things that I think, as a kid, I always dreamt of attending the Monaco Grand Prix, and only because I've seen through glass and arguably Seb Delaney, actually, and Paul Wallace, I was able to get down and attend the Grand Prix each year in varying success. Uh, one year I was on a yacht with Seb in the rain. Uh, many years I was with Paul Wallace in a cafe streaming off my phone whilst it happened about 50 metres down the road. Uh, but still, being there for that weekend is always exciting. But it's often a crap Grand Prix to actually watch on the TV. Um, and so if there's another Merck 1-2, I think it's going to be very, very ominous for the rest of the season because that's that's a track where Red Bull traditionally have done well uh, and can sometimes throw up a different result, even if the race is quite uh, uh, a, what's it called, process? Is that the right one? No, quite a... I don't know what you're trying to When say. everything's in a line and there's no overtaking... Procession. Regimented. Procession. Well, regimented. No, pro pro procession. <laughs> uh, so, yes. So, we'll see. Well, don't lie to yourself. You're going to get major FOMO. So. I'm going to get major FOMO no matter what. Even if it's a really dull race, I will be sat here in Bulgaria streaming it, uh, messaging 
every other YouTuber who seems to be there or seems to be going there this weekend. I know Paul's already down there. Seb is. I'm pretty sure JWW's headed there. I think Shmi 150. Um, maybe even a couple of the US guys. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have major major FOMO. That is the problem. But anyway, I'm well, fully aware. Just hope they're gonna have a crap time. Liz, fingers crossed, it's gonna be an awful race, which apparently, according to 2019, it is. Uh, by the way, small plug uh, for two two companies. Uh, WTF1, um, absolute heroes. I I popped on their podcast a year or so ago, uh, and they're still making epic F1 and motorsport content. So you need to go and check that out. Uh, and then the other company I'm gonna promote, Twitter. <laughs> if you ever want to get involved with the F1 chat, forget your Instagrams, forget your YouTubes jump on Twitter uh, the conversation there is always buzzing when it comes to F1 and you will get opinions and you can get involved with opinions very very quickly and that's a hashtag no sponsorship no sponsorship from Twitter but Twitter if you want to pay me you can get in touch at info at seenthroughglass.com you can tweet at me yeah you can tweet at my non-verified account verification on social media by the way I don't know what that is all about I look at I, it's a pet peeve of mine I don't there's no process to it you can request verification it doesn't seem to work and there are people who are verified that I don't understand how they're verified they've got like 500 followers and they post like three photos a year but they're verified so yeah well, anyone that sells dodgy blue ticks get in touch anyone that sells dodgy blue ticks email vicky at dodgybulgarian.com um, so I think there's time to move on because I, I'm aware that not everyone is into F1 uh, and they may have found that chat a little bit boring so let's bring it back to road cars and drive the world because season two of Behind the Glass is all about stories from the road uh, and we want to share some because there have been some over the last uh, 10 days or so since we recorded the last episode and we want to kick things off with our newfound appreciation for BMW and I am actually going to blame Vicky a little bit here because it's the Why? Bulgarian in you it's the Bulgarian in you it really isn't I really don't like that part of myself no I know <laughs> you don't but what I discovered picking up the M5 competition this week from BMW M Car Sophia a little cheeky plug from there it's not a paid promotion but they lent me the car so I'm going to do all my best to help them out uh BMW sells double the amount than Mercedes and Audi do here in Bulgaria it's that popular People it's super popular. I mean, no one, BMW. no one is going to look at you if, you know, if you're in a, a... Ford. No. No. A Volvo. If, well, not really. I mean, even a supercar. Even if you're oh. in a, I think even if you're in a supercar, they don't really care that much. But they get super excited about If you turn BMW. up in a, you know, 330D. They recognise the brand a lot more. They recognise <laughs> the, the type of cars. Wow. Fair and play. It's just, it's just, it's just what they like. It's just a preference thing. Well, your obsession with the brand has infected me. No, uh, I haven't got an obsession with the brand. I don't even like the brand. I mean, when we, when, when Paul had his M three, you hated it, didn't you? I hated it a little mm, bit. You did hate it a little bit. You, you used to call him Chavy. Is what you used Paul, to say. Yeah. Or, the, or the car. Well, I don't know. You can never really be sure, but that word came out a few times. Uh, we love you, Paul, by the way. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really weird thing. I think, uh, let's just recap my well, story. Maybe, maybe we've turned, maybe we've become a little bit chavvy. I would love to become a little bit chavvy. I think I need it. Um, but yes. They're I, nice cars. I'm trying to recap my story. I'm sorry, don't invite me on the podcast. Okay, then. well, someone invited themselves. Uh, so yeah, going way back, uh, I owned a 330 I saloon when I was like 20, 21. Um, a bit of a bit of a yeah, it's not a, I mean, it, it was great, it was great, but 
probably too soon in my life. Uh, anyway, so I owned this car. It was brilliant. I loved it, but it had a whole load of problems. I sold it after about uh, a year and a half or maybe two years. And I thought that was the end of my BMW experience and things went all a bit negative. And when I started seeing through glass, I was still feeling a bit negative towards the brand. And I was getting in cars and they just looked like they hadn't changed for 10 years. And I was like, BMW, what are you doing? Whilst it felt like Audi and Mercedes were pushing forward so dramatically. And then over the last 12 to 18 months, something's happened in the BMW design language that I'm like, hello, they keep releasing cars and I keep seeing them in pictures or on the road being like, hmm. And I think it actually started with an X5. Uh, uh, I saw an X5 driving down the road and thought that looks really, really good. And just as a coincidence, last year, whilst we were here in Bulgaria, M Car Sophia lent me an X5, an M50D, which I think is the top of the line. Um, and we really enjoyed it, didn't we? We had a really good time in it. It was comfy, powerful, had all the tech we could need. Maybe it just makes sense here, whilst you're here in Bulgaria. No, well, okay, so that would be the obvious and easy thing to say. But since then, and especially during Drive the World, for some reason we keep ending up in BMWs. So, to recap, I think Cape Town was the first one. Cape Town was that X4, that little white mm. X4, um, which again was super usable. It was an M line or an M sports, so not a full M car, but it had M bits in it. And we just liked it. It had the latest uh, BMW assistant, I think they call it. So you can actually speak to the car and it actually works. Um, but we enjoyed that. In Mallorca, we had the M850i. Sick. Like, what a good looking car. Really cool. Okay, fine. A bit heavy. And maybe the M8 is going to be the one for me personally, but still brilliant. Um, what else have we had? We've been in i8 and i3s quite a lot, especially when working with Harman Kardon around the Formula E. Um, and then most recently here, we've been in the M5 competition. I think that's all the... Mm -hmm. Oh, and then... Okay, well, you'll see the shell thing that I can't really talk about involves a BMW as well uh, and every single time we've just been like oh these are just such good cars to live with we enjoy them they're comfy they've got all the tech and infotainment we need they're usually quite quick I enjoy driving them you've enjoyed driving some of them it's just like they feel very nice inside yeah all the like you said all the design inside is just works and it looks nice it's there's simple no, there's no faults to it it's just been a revolution and we can't really explain it, but I'm genuinely sitting here being like, when I get back to the UK, whenever that will be and drive the world is over, I'm going to be stuck with two rather impractical. Well, actually, we've discovered the Carrera T is very practical, but still two two seater sports cars, my manual 360 and the Carrera T. And fundamentally, we are going to need something that's a little bit more usable and practical um, to go to the shops and to ferry people around in and to have the option of having people be in the car with us, because as fun as two seater sports cars, cars are they are quite antisocial and i'm genuinely like i think i'm going to get a bmw i can't tell you what or which one and who knows financially where i'm going to be because right now i've got about five pounds in the bank and the rest of this year is looking rather terrifying um but that's, that's the real reason why we're in bulgaria for two weeks <laughs> exactly save some cash um but i genuinely am shocking myself with that thought because even a year ago, but definitely two years ago, if you said to me, Sam, one day you're going to buy a BMW, I would have gone, not a chance, mate. But uh, yeah, the, the brand is coming on song and uh, just, just something that I wanted to proclaim. And hopefully maybe those trolls who ate me alive a few years ago with my various BMW content will now uh, start to come back round and maybe tune back into and the videos. say, I told you so. Say, I told you so. That's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> um, now, going from a, a, a brand that we're loving Let's switch to a brand that we're not loving so much at the moment. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Clown. Uh, tricky subject. I to and fro with McLaren all the time. Uh, when I'm in their cars and they work and I'm on a beautiful sweeping road, I genuinely, I, I drink the Kool-Aid. I love them. I think there's anything better for, well, on the market in general. They're just so brilliant to drive and engaging at those kind of speeds. The rest of the time, I'm frustrated by the brand. I think they make too many models. I think the cars don't work. I think they have a bad reliability record. They lose money hand over fist. And what else do I really like? I don't know. But just in general, they frustrate me. So You're not gelling with them. I'm not gelling with them. That's, I want to. And as I say, when I'm around the brand, if I go to the MTC or if they're inviting me on a press launch, I'm like, yes, come on, guys. This is the new Apple of, like, car manufacturing. Like, they just, they feel so exciting. And then six months down the line, you're sitting there and 15 other models have been launched since you were last on that press drive. And you're like, oh, I, I don't understand their trajectory. Um, but... It's not to say I don't like the cars. I don't think you should buy the cars. It's just a sort of personal toing and froing that I have. And, and my sort of negative side looks at the launch of this new McLaren GT super hypercar, whatever it is, and goes, what? What are you doing? Because we've got what I, what I believe is, and I need to watch Mr. JWW's video to understand fully, but what I believe is a GT 720S. So if you remember with the sports series, the McLaren 570S, they had a 570 GT, which actually visually, visually was a bit different, but it was a much softer car and it was supposed to be for long distance driving and sort of, you know, cruising. The new car from McLaren is supposed to rival the Bentley Continental GT and I think, um, what else is it supposed to rival? I guess the 911 Turbo S, but basically big, comfortable GT cars, the Ferrari Portofino, but... It still looks like a McLaren. It still has the same 
engine and components from Emmy McLaren. And the 720S is arguably the best GT supercar you can buy. That car is so unbelievably good at ticking every box that you don't need a slightly softer 720S. It's already soft enough in its comfort setting. So what is this car that McLaren have made? Why have you made it? Who are the customers that were demanding it? And surely you've just threatened the value of your 570s, whether that's the GTs or the Ss, and your 720s, because I think it's priced at £170,000 like that. There are plenty of 720Ss getting near that money, if not around that money, on the used market. And then you've got a sportier, speedier car. Okay, fine, you might not be able to fit your golf clubs in, but I think if you've got that kind of money, surely you can just leave your golf clubs at the club, no? I don't really know how that works with golf and stuff. But yeah, I mean, Vicky's not the biggest fan of McLaren. I'm not going to let her start on a rant because I don't think it's fair to McLaren that, that she rants away. Um, but a whole, it's a whole podcast. It's also it's a whole other podcast. podcast. An exclusive podcast. An exclusive podcast. Of just me talking about Just Vicky alone for probably longer than 35 minutes uh, slagging off McLaren. I am not as passionate uh, as her about the negatives. Um, as I say, I do to and fro, and you will probably see on the main channel in about a week me driving the McLaren going, these cars are so fantastic. And, and actually, members of the Seen Through Glass website will have seen my 675LT drive where I said that is one of the biggest bargain supercars you can go out and buy today. And I st I'm stand true to that. But... Uh, when they don't work or when they keep flogging models or keep flogging the same car repackaged, I get frustrated and I think the world feels relatively similar to me in that in that regard. Um, anyway, let's move on because uh, there's plenty of McLaren bashing on the internet and I don't feel like it's always justified or fair. Uh, and I want to talk about another brand where I drank the Kool-Aid because uh, I said with McLaren I often do drink the Kool-Aid and that is Rimac. So, uh, our, we stopped off in Croatia for... I mean, again, less than 24 hours on our way to Bulgaria. And are we going to talk about the storm now, or should we come back to the storm? No, let's talk about the storm now, because it helps yeah. me with my so RIMAC set story. The set the scene. So, we arrived into Zagreb. Zagreb after the Cars and Coffee Hungry Meet. So, that was a main channel video, so hopefully a lot of you have seen that by now. And on our drive-in, the wind did start to pick up, didn't it, as we drove into town? Yes, it started getting a little bit more windy than usual. But because we were driving on the motorway, all it was was a few gusts here and there. It wasn't until we'd sort of parked the car and then got out that we noticed that it was like basically a tornado or a hurricane taking place in Zagreb. Like umbrellas were flying across the road, like no one was around. Clamp pots were falling, smashing Smashing themselves. everywhere. Oh yeah, so <laughs> as we arrived at our hotel, this is no joke, there was a massive plant pot like around the perimeter of the sort of... Uh, driveway I guess you call it and because they were on a higher level to the actual driveway itself one of the plant pots had fallen onto a Volkswagen Golf and like crushed its bonnet it was super dramatic um, and kind of creepy because the terrifying. whole of Zagreb was empty empty and the the windows of the hotel were shaking like people were like don't go outside the, the wind noise was horrific and we just couldn't sleep it was like all night it was just it was just a storm yeah and you know, like the creepy whistling ghost noise the wind makes. <laughs> I don't know what wind goes. <laughs> I think my my imitation was far better. Anyway, uh, yeah. it was quite it was quite 
Well, people are going to laugh at us now. Oh, no, it was on the news. No, this was not a little bit of wind. Like, even Americans would have thought that this was a lot of wind, because I know you guys know your hurricanes and your tornadoes. Google it. Uh, it will come up. It was dramatic. I think people got injured. I don't know if... I, I think... Let's put it this way. We were less scared on the Nullarbor than we were. Oh, exactly. yeah. Nullarbor was chilled. I was less scared than 60 degree heat in Adelaide. This was intense. This was intense. And But Vicky touched on the most important point. We didn't sleep. So we didn't sleep. And the next morning, I woke up and I was supposed to be headed over to Rimac to make a video. It was my hope. However... Not only had I not swept, 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 I had not slept swept away by the wind, <laughs> something like that. I had not slept, but uh, Zagreb was a war zone. I mean, honestly, it was sort of dangerous to step outside. And Rimac themselves were imminently going to be signing a huge deal with uh, Hyundai. Um, so if you don't know, Rimac actually, the sort of biggest business element is supplying components uh, for other manufacturers. So the Aston Martin Valkyrie, for example, they're doing the battery pack for that. The Koenigseggs, uh, they, they, they provide uh, powertrain or battery powertrains for Koenigsegg. They do a whole load of different stuff and they were selling this massive deal with Hyundai. Um, but... Because they're amazing. They said, of course, look, we'll, we'll make time come along. So despite the tornado slash hurricane and despite their huge, huge day, uh, they still wanted to make time for me to go and visit. So I thought that was brilliant. I got there. Um, unfortunately, they didn't have any uh, Concept 2 cars, their latest hypercar that's being developed, uh, physically available. Uh, the only car that I think is sort of working or is viewable uh, is currently over in America. Um, so all they had was some static Concept 1s and then some wind tunnel models of the Concept 2. Uh, nothing could be driven or I couldn't be taken out for a ride, but also I don't think anyone wanted to given the weather conditions. So all that was left was a factory tour, which I still was interested by and thought could make an interesting video. I then got introduced to Mate Rimac, who I think lots of you will know. He is the sort of uh, Horatio Pagani or Christian von Koenigsegg of electric car manufacturer, uh, manufacturing, sorry. He is quite an amazing guy. Um, if you don't know his story, it is worth looking into. Um, and having him there, explaining how that company works and how they are going about building this C2 hypercar, this all-electric hypercar, was kind of mind-blowing. And before I realised it, I'd recorded a sort of 35 minutes of Mate just talking, talking to me, talking to camera, and had very little time to film anything else, B-roll or anything sort of, you know, that engaging. It was just a sort of walk around the factory and that included offices and computers and nothing that was that visually engaging. And then I had to leave because we had the long drive to Sofia and they had the commitments with Hyundai. So I got back being like, wow, what a company. My mind is blown. My eyes are open. Electric is the way forward. This is incredible. Watch the footage back and it just felt like a really long ad for Rimac, it just felt like there was no input from me, no real questions of any note. Um, and whilst, uh, hey, at the time I found it really interesting and it is still really interesting and fascinating, it didn't feel right as a seen through glass video. Um, and so I don't really know what to do and this is where I want some of your feedback. So if you're watching on YouTube, please, 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 please comment below. If you're listening on whatever platform you are listening to this podcast, uh, tweet me, hashtag behind the glass. Let me know because I could upload this video somewhere, whether it's here on the behind the glass YouTube channel or as a podcast um, or on the main channel itself. But you have to be prepared and warned. It's very dry. 
it's very, very dry. And whilst it is informative and insightful, which is why I think maybe it suits this podcast style format a little better, it's not particularly visually engaging and it just doesn't feel like a scene through glass video. So that's why I've been sitting on it, not really knowing what to do, which is a shame. I let myself down is the biggest thing. I feel like I let Rimac down slightly because they gave me that opportunity and I haven't done much with it um, since. But, you know, I've explained it before here. Things don't always go to plan. And on that day, with the lack of sleep, the storm, the limited time, and the fact that I got totally caught up in the myth that is, well, not a myth, the reality that is Mate Rimac, uh, meant, yeah, that we've ended up in this situation. So... Let me know. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think I should do. Uh, and I will I will put it to a public vote. So, yeah, whatever you decide, uh, I shall follow. I think that's probably the sort of car stories that we wanted to touch mm. on from the last uh, 10 days or so. What about our actual drive? Well, that's what I want to touch on now is our drive then post Rimac to uh, here, Bulgaria, um, because we set off at about midday, I think. Uh, and it was around an eight and a half hour drive to Sofia. Uh, so leaving the storm wasn't that bad. The rest of Croatia was okay. It was just still super windy, wasn't it? Yeah, and with, with our roof box, it was just, you know, you just feel like it's going to get snapped away. That's all I'm worried about. I'm driving the whole time looking up at the roof box because I just think those gusts are just going to come and rip it off the roof or somehow, like, I don't know, just pick up the car and take it away. We did have sort of trucks, you know, w- waving across the road and stuff, but the motors were pretty empty and there was no debris. Um, so apart from being super windy and a little bit wet at times the actual creation part was fine and picturesque at times too um and then we arrived empty empty let's not forget oh yeah empty like it was it was super empty it was emptier than the nullable yeah at times at times we saw no one at times we really saw no one on super long roads oh yeah do you remember those big woods the big forests with those huge tall trees that reminded me of like cold war films um i don't think that's appropriate but it, 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 it looked like something that you know militia were going to come running out of um it was just a yeah it was a real bizarre landscape but quite an amazing one and we were enjoying that part of the drive road super smooth uh, empty and once the wind had started to die down slightly which it did as we approached the borders for the various other countries um it was all happy days but <laughs> As I say, we then got to the Serbian border. Now, we do share the drive, Vicky and I, when we're in the Carrera especially on these longer drives. And we kind of agreed that the border was a good point to switch seats. We never really switched just before border because uh, it just makes more sense to cross the border, go through all that paperwork and stuff, and then switch straight after. So we, we pulled in literally 50 metres after the border at a petrol station, got some snacks, Vicky took over, and as she pulled out, we realised the roads in Serbia aren't great. Or, okay... I haven't driven that many roads in Serbia, but the the road entering Serbia from Croatia, from Croatia, not good, really not good. Like one of the bumpiest motorways I've ever seen. (laughs) Poor Vicky is there. I was hating it, you were and miserable. I don't understand why I always take over the drives when it's the, the crapper road quality, the most traffic. I drove through a storm through on a motorway in Paris, and you kept saying before the storm, you know, I love French motorways. There's ne- never a car on it. You know, where where do all these French people drive? You know, French motorways famously so empty. As soon as I get in the car, the rain starts pouring. All the cars come out. 
Why? Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, you know, and so you I always can't... have the scenic nice drives, and they always have just the the ones with the potholes. And... You do have the dodgy ones. I will admit, you do have the dodgy ones. And and she, and she hinted at it just there because when we arrived through well, to Belgrade, you had to drive straight through Belgrade uh, on our route. <laughs> We got stuck in the worst traffic jam with some of the dodgiest driving I've ever seen. Serbia, I really hope I'm not causing any offence here because this was my very limited experience on a long road trip. It could have been a bad day, a dodgy day. Through the and on the outskirts of the city, to be fair. Exactly. But... We did not explore, but... But the, the driving styles were questionable. Hard shoulder just became another lane. Um, people were chopping and changing. We definitely saw a Volkswagen Polo nearly absolutely wipe himself out into the back of another car at full speed. Um, uh, poor Vicky, who definitely had it. It was a challenging drive, we'll say but that. I, but I stuck with it. Mm, and oh, then for what sure. happened? What Can happened? I talk about that? What happened? Me getting pulled over by police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't talk about that. So, so I, st I stick with it, you know, I you stick did. with it, I drive through it, I'm like, do you know what, potholes are potholes, traffic is traffic, Serbian drivers are Serbian drivers. But after a toll booth, That's right. at the toll booth, after the barrier, you can see there's police. And so I know they're looking at me, they're looking at the T and they, they're thinking... UK plates, Porsche, two 12-year-old looking people. Vicky looks as young as I do. I mean, I just said I've looked young, maybe I don't. But baby face, <laughs> baby face. Um, Stickers on the car, yeah. wacky stuff, you know. What is this car? Let's just pull them over for, for lols. Um, for the banter. Yeah, and so, you know, he pretends, the policeman turns around and pretends that he's not going to pull me over. As soon as the barrier goes up, he whacks his hand out. Hand out. <laughs> Sounded a bit dodgy for a second, but yeah. <laughs> and because because Serbian and Bulgarian are quite close languages, well, at least I can sort of understand, and they can sort of understand Bulgarian. But you know, I don't speak Serbian, so I started speaking to him in Bulgarian, and he started speaking to me in Serbian. And what I gathered from what he was saying to me was, "You're driving really fast, and you're in a lot of trouble, and you will get to court, and you're going to be in." Big if I can no, say that. no, no oh, swearing. Okay. That's so annoying for the edit now. I've got to go all the way through and bleep that out. Okay, um. well, I just won't bleep. Anyway, so he says, You're in big trouble. You're going to have to go to court. Um, and, and you know, in my head, I'm just imagining, you know, this is this is where Drive the World ends. Drive the World ends. This is where I Vicky go to jail. Doing 139 and 130, because I just have to say, the cruise control was set at 139. So, okay, she's going nine kilometres over, but it's not exactly like, let's take the car away and you're going to jail speed. So, he really got to my head. He really got to he my freaked head. You he, out. he just freaked me out. He said, you know, it's, it's big trouble, you know, you can cause a car crash and whatnot. And I was like, what? But what? Like, how? You know, I was like, you know, he made me believe, like, I've done this crime that I have, haven't actually committed. And so we pulled over, Sam, Sam said to me, you know, I want to see what speed I you were going, because, because you weren't actually going He anymore. can't claim, you know, his claim was... Um, we've we've been we've had cameras. Radars. Yeah, we we we've seen that you drive. From what I understood, it was he was saying I I've seen that you drive. You've been driving really fast, and I really have not. I mean. But it was him and his mate stood by the side of the road with a very dodgy, crappy-looking police car. They definitely didn't have live telemetry on the 10 kilometres beforehand. They definitely weren't radioing their mates. We hadn't passed any other cops. So I just went, hold on a sec. He needs to prove, he needs to show us proof that you've been speeding. He can't just assume that you've been speeding because you're driving a 911. Um, and so, anyway, I think at that point when you started to yeah, question Yeah, I, I just said to him, you know, can, can you actually explain to me what I've done wrong? And he kind of just then went... 
oh, um, where are you from and where do you live and what do you do for work? And so when I said what I do for work, which we're not going to reveal no. now, but he, he just he just kind of She's panicked. a spy for the MI5. <laughs> he just panicked, freaked out and let us go. But it oh was Oh my God, you don't know scary. how many comments you're going to get on that now. You're going to start so much that intrigue. That I was spy. No, I, well, I just, yeah, be. the fact that your job title freaked the hell out of some policeman in Serbia. <laughs> it's really not as intriguing really as you think, but for scary. whatever reason, he decided that it then wasn't worth pursuing. Um, and I think he just knew he'd been caught out I think he was trying his luck yeah, yeah. Um, well, but it was we, a hard moment we got away with moment. it and, and I think he was surprised to find out that I was Bulgarian a Bulgarian in an English played car <laughs> rather than a an English person in an English person. Let's face it, if he'd spoken to me, I would have had a complete panic attack and paid him whatever he demanded because I wouldn't have had a clue what was going on and just thought he was going to lock me away. So, yeah, unfortunately... We got away with it. it, But unfortunately, our Serbian experience wasn't that positive. And the thing is, uh, we're going to touch on it quickly because we're going a little bit over on time. I mentioned at the beginning we wanted to talk about sort of highlights ahead. And I'm intrigued as to what our second Serbian experience is going to be because when we leave Bulgaria we're headed towards Budapest in Hungary and we have to drive through Serbia again we could drive through Romania but it adds too long to the journey but instead of an eight and a half hour journey it becomes close to 12 so we're going back through Serbia and I'm fingers crossed we'll see it in a better light because I'm sure it's a great place uh, but we did have this dodgy, dodgy old experience um, and speaking about highlights ahead and just touching quickly on the route there I've had a few questions from people in Romania and Greece saying when am I going to those places because when I initially announced Drive the World they were two locations that were included but you have to be aware the itinerary and route for this trip changes almost every week um, as various other commitments and projects and car shipping schedules come into play we just don't have time to go everywhere and also we don't have time to go where we originally planned to it's incredibly frustrating and a shame uh, originally we were going to be here in Bulgaria for two weeks and had time to uh, pop down to Greece and maybe go towards the Transfigurian in Ro- Romania but I then had these other projects come up which meant that I'm only here now for about five or six days of the two weeks at which point we'd be making Bulgarian content so it's frustrating also I'll just touch on the fact that the Transfigurian isn't open until the beginning of June uh, when we'll already be back up uh, close towards Germany at that point so things don't always work out it's annoying but these are places which I can always come back to um, you know it's, just, it's a shame but highlights ahead uh, I want to touch very quickly uh, Treffen, uh, the huge Volkswagen festival uh, I will be visiting I think on the very last day in Austria I can't wait to see what that's going to be like it's, it's not really my scene that's why I'm so excited to go and see what it's all going to be like highly modified Volkswagens and it's just supposed to be absolutely mad so that will be cool uh, the Nürburgring at the beginning of June. Uh, we're actually there this same weekend as the Rock Am Ring, the really famous heavy metal rock festival. I feel like we should maybe try and get tickets just to go for the lols. But anyway, I'm hoping to do my first ever lap on the Nürburgring in the T. I need to speak to my insurer's first point insurance because I'm pretty sure I'm not covered to drive on the Nürburgring, but I might see if they can sort something out for me. Uh, And then after that, we start heading north towards Scandinavia, and I'm right in the middle of planning our Scandinavian tour. I mentioned it before, we want to do a Nullarbor-esque three or four days in the wilderness, just getting out and exploring Scandinavia uh, in the T, and that will be sort of one big mega video. So... Those are my current highlights. Uh, And in terms of cars, because as I say, a few of 
you asked during an Instagram Q&A, you know, what cars do I really want to drive this year, which I haven't yet, because let's not forget I've been in an Enzo, a LaFerrari, a 918, an F12 TDF, a 911R, uh, an MX-5, a BMW M5 competition, some amazing cars already, but there are really two, if not three, big hitters that I want to try and experience. Um, McLaren P1, so I can tick off the, the holy trio, uh, and then Bugatti Veyron and Bugatti Chiron. I've never experienced any of those cars. Um, well, I, the, I lie, the P1, I've been in a passenger seat, uh, but I haven't driven. I've never even sat in a Veyron or a Chiron, so I would love to do that. Very, very hard to do. And then there's a smattering of other cars. I mean, everything you could possibly imagine, from original Fiat Cinquecentes to um, crazy Mustangs, and I can't even begin to explain, but those are the three. So if any of you listening uh, have the keys to a P1, a Veyron, or a Chiron, and are willing to let me drive it for a video, um, please do get in touch <laughs> drive the world at seeingthroughglass.com anyway I mentioned it before we've gone a little bit over this week uh, hopefully uh, none of you mind uh, I hope you've enjoyed episode 2 of season 2 of Behind the Glass uh, if you're listening to us make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you are listening uh, if you're watching us Hello, uh, nice to see you, uh, and uh, please do subscribe and give this video a thumbs up uh, any final words from you Vicky? Nice not to see you from me. <laughs> nice not to see you. Um, and we will be back very soon for another episode of Behind the Glass. Ciao, ciao. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.